Every day of our lives is spent in the built environment. We live in homes and apartments, drive on roads, get gas from pipelines, go to work in buildings, make purchases in stores and restaurants. We rely on factories, plants, doctor's offices, and hospitals for our basic human needs. And while our world continues to shift and grow and change, the development and delivery of the built environment has fallen dramatically behind. Welcome to The Built Revolution. We're here to engage the leaders, visionaries, and innovators who are revolutionizing the built environment. This podcast is brought to you by Continuum Advisory Group and the Construction Industry Institute. This is Kelsey Henderson, President of Continuum Advisory Group. At the 2019 CII Annual Conference in San Diego, I had a really interesting conversation with a few members of the upstream, midstream, and mining sector research team on the work they presented around custom versus standard designs. We hope you enjoy this discussion. Let's jump right in with some quick introductions. I'm Jennifer Shane. I'm an associate professor at Iowa State University. I am Oscar Monagas. I'm the chairman for the team. I work for ConocoPhillips as a senior engineering management specialist. I'm Michael Cluck. I work for KBR and have specialty in modularization. I am Yonghun Kwok, a faculty member at the George Washington University School of Business. Okay. Thank you. So um, just to start off, share a little bit about what, what this research was and what was the impetus for it. Well, the topic that we were given to us by CI was uh, why the standardization is not used more often in the UMM sector, which mm-hmm. is pretty much the oil, gas, and mining, midstream sectors. And uh, it was a very challenging topic, and uh, that was the topic selected by Dr. Mulva, I mean, the close out, uh, the last conference close out. And uh, we developed a process. I mean, this, uh, I think we deliver the goals on the, what we promised. And uh, it was, was not easy. I mean, it's a complex topic, why it's not being used. And we proved the benefits of standardization as a cost and schedule savings. And one thing that uh, uh, I worked on a previous uh, research, RT283, which was uh, uh, five solution elements for modularization. And one of the things we ran into was standardization. But by the time we got into it, we identified a few of the benefits and some of the challenges, but we never really had enough time to actually go into it. And so it was something that everybody felt a need to look into further. And the UMM receptor obviously picked this up and said, well, let's go ahead and spend full time on it. And as a result, we got some pretty good, uh, pretty good results. I think one of the reasons this was picked up was because there has been standardization in a number of different uh, industry sectors, the automobile, the shipbuilding, uh, airplanes, our houses are all standardized at this point, it seems like if you go into a subdivision anywhere. So it's why, you know, why can these other sectors do the standardization? And why is it the upstream, midstream, and mining sectors, why aren't they doing standardization? So how can they do that? And how can they see profits or, uh, you know, what can they see as benefits from this? I guess we are particularly interested in, as, as any kind of a research, the economic side of it, what are the uh, the bottom line of it, what's the cost when it was a schedule benefit. So that was the first part that we really emphasize on. And from that point and beyond, once we were able to get uh, get out the information and analyze it and prove that there was a significant cost and schedule 
savings, then we were more confident to go to the next level, building the model, looking at the critical success factors, and then looking beyond what might influence the future of decentralization. Yeah, and so you guys had some pretty impressive savings that you found that, I mean, 10% of total installed cost, the schedule savings, but I thought was the most interesting was the 25% life cycle savings, um, you know, really significant there. And it, what, I mean, what did you guys think about that? What were your biggest takeaways from the research? Yeah, it, it's uh, produce the benefit when it's done. Mm-hmm. So that you have the commitment, you need the commitment from, I would say, upper management that is mm-hmm. going to push, is going to reinforce, in, sort of impose, if you wish, into the team. They say, guys, we need to standard, standardize. And, and I think it's so difficult to do because you need uh, several factors combined. So like uh, how many projects are you going to have? Uh, uh, what is the market conditions? Uh, do you have, uh, you want to be the first on, on the street just to make money? Mm-hmm. And they say, well, forget about standardization. So you have several factors that need to be combined to make standardization successful. And this is why we developed a tool that's going to help the newcomers, the new people or the practitioners, whoever is going to use that tool, CII members, to kind of guide them into uh, projects should be standardized, which should be customized. Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, the, one of the examples that you shared um, was like the well pads, right? And so seeing it all laid out on the screen, actually looking like Legos, it, it seems so intuitive. And so why is it that, you know, that the custom design is currently the norm? And what do we need to be doing to shift away from that? I think the, the, uh, the customized design is, is, as was mentioned in, in the uh, presentation, <laughs> couple of times is because we're all engineers and we like to just tweak everything and we like to continue to tweak it. And, and all of us as engineers and as project management, we understand that we need to stop tweaking, but we never really do. And one thing that this, this research did, it almost, you know, from the very beginning, you say standardization, well, that's a no brainer. It makes sense to standardize. But what this research was able to do was actually quantify the key points that really promoted standardization and that was the alignment it was the bottom to top alignment and some other things but it it identified it so that if you want to standardize you need to look at these items specifically they were the big major hitters and then they're the ones that weren't uh, the ones you really want to stay away from and you know without putting that down on a piece of paper you said well standardization is good but how do i do it and i think this thing really made it very clear and sort of black and white as to this is what you need to do yeah, I mean, I thought the um, the decision making model and you you mentioned that a minute ago um, was one of the most interesting things that came out of this. Can you tell us a little bit more about the tool, about how it works, how you would use it? <laughs> yes, uh, well, the tool we developed uh, following the typical capital project management system that the, pretty much all the oil companies have, and we assess the initial approach we call a level one which is going to be the, the equivalent to a feasibility or conceptual. So you start thinking when you're going to develop a program into the, say, how you're going to execute is it are we in the right path? So you do it, first of all, at higher level, and then you will assess initially the kind of high level factors. And then you go deeper as you progress, you say, oh, I think we are have a good uh, candidates. This program could be a 
prompt to do standardization via the standardization approach. So then you do more into the details. So this is the way we envision, they say similar to the uh, process now, the existing, but we put a lot of standardization spin question. So make the user think and say, do we have this way? We go customized, we go standardized, and then we come up with a really good tool that is gonna kind of put in black and white and say, well, you have really good probabilities to go via standardization. And this is the factors that you need to consider or just go customize because you're gonna have just a, uh, two projects, you will not see the benefits. Yeah. And the, uh, and the interesting thing about the basis for this tool was actually the, the template was PPMOF, which was an early modularization tool. So some of the old CII members that are familiar with that tool will be familiar with the layout. And it, it was a two-step process too. So if, if it looks a little odd or maybe alternatively, if it looks a little familiar, that's, that's the basis for, for the tool. So I just want to add that again, because we are in the standardization team, we are kind of biased towards standardization. But this yeah. tool really, we, we wanted to look at from the objective point of view, so that you know, there's some projects that needs to be customized, some projects that have more benefits in the standardization. So we really look at, step back and look at it from the very um, um, objective way to see it, whether this is a candidate, these projects or programs are candidate for standardization or customization. So I think it's a very uh, useful and powerful tool. I think one other thing about the tool though is it is meant for the team to work through the tool together and at the level one analysis, making sure everyone is on board and thinking about, are we gonna customize? Are we gonna standardize? And it, it, it is, you know, we did look at it unbiased, try to look at it unbiasedly so that, you know, if the project is should be a custom project, it will come out that it should be a customized project. But again, it's getting the team into alignment, similar to like the PDRI, where we have that discussion, we get to that understanding and that alignment about we are going to customize or we're going to standardize. Because if you're going to that standardization, you have to get everyone on board and go that route. And you have that's not just the owner, it's the contractor, it's vendors, getting everyone on the same boat and go in the same direction. Yeah, one of the, um, the things that stood out to me in the presentation, they're talking about the critical success factors. Um, and one of them was discipline to maintain standardization. Um, and that was called out as, as a success factor that was very high impact, but low implementation. I think that kind of goes along with what you were saying on, on early alignment. Um, did you guys find any effective ways to address that challenge? Yeah, it's, uh, basically you need the upper management committee. Mm -hmm. You need to reinforce and really make sure that uh, it's going to be standardized because it's going to be what it's going to bring benefit. But on the opposite side, the team, when they use this tool and we come up with it, this is a good candidate. I mean, from uh, to do a project or program via standardization that needs to be sold to upper management. So they will say it's a kind of a two way because we as an engineers, we develop the project initially and it's going to go for approval, but then when it's approved, this should be the, the feedback from upper management. Hey guys, this is going to be done via standardization. And we need the commitment from the whole company, the whole teams, procurement, engineering, construction, that are going to be on board together to standardize this program. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, 
what were, I mean, as far as the different projects and programs that you guys looked at, what do you think are some of the most impressive results that you saw? This is a very good question because we were fortunate to receive a lot of data mm -hmm. from uh, oil and gas for the uh, service that we did and we do interview and we have a, a different uh, approaches for, for example, gas compressions. We have uh, from facilities engineering. We have from, uh, I think you have a LNG facilities mm -hmm. that was also provided. So it was an overall spectrum of data that we got. And this is what it was presented today to support the, 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 the findings in terms of uh, savings for cost and schedule. Mm -hmm. I think one thing that was interesting was, you know, you say standardization and automatically thinks everybody thinks it has to be frozen in time forever. And so what two or three of these projects did is after they went through a few of these, they had the lessons learned, they went back and they were able to optimize. The key difference is now you've set a time for optimization. You don't do it continuously. You mm -hmm. go ahead and do two or three, you get your, uh, number of benefits that you can get and then you make a step change and you saw in a couple of these an actual step change so it wasn't like you had to start with this and live with it forever yeah and as you continue to do that you improve your your cost and your schedule correct in, in uh, another area which is really makes difficult and this is what we start doing the level one or level two assessment in the tool is that level of degree standardization you can do uh, starting with a small components or you can start doing by modules, or you can standardize the entire field that you're gonna develop using like uh, capacities, and then we're gonna uh, use uh, uh, special modules and layout that is gonna be frozen. So the spectrum is really big. Mm -hmm. So this is probably one of the reasons why it has not been standardized more frequent because you need to define that what you're gonna standardize. It's gonna be label instruments, it's gonna be pumps, compressor modules, or it's gonna be a few FPSOs, or whatever i mean it's just really how big so this is what you need to tailor to your needs and make sure that you're going to have a program that's going to be successful via standardization and you can start small yeah and work your way up yeah with that recommendation will be start baby steps that's right yeah <laughs> are there, i mean are there any pitfalls to look out for did you guys talk to any folks who tried to standardize or tried to do too much when it wasn't appropriate for their program uh i would say that uh for example uh, my company tried to do standardized FPSO because we have some market and we were into the the having like a five FPSO in, in a series of development deep water. And we were not successful because of market conditions. But uh, you can see how difficult it would be because that would make you align into the one vendor, one contractor. So that makes it really difficult in terms of bidding process and transparency because so you need to build commitment from management. And that would be one of the, I, I would say it's more difficult when you start doing baby steps and say, well, yes, we can make alignment with uh, fabricators, with contractors, engineering. So it's alliances. So we're going to standardize. So we have prices already in board. Once you start getting deviating for a different vendors, different procuring, different strategy, then it becomes very difficult to execute as a, a with a standardization approach. Yeah, that's a great point. It kind of lends itself more to a strategic alliance or, or preferred partners sort of approach rather than, you know, bidding everything out. Right. And that's, that's to be defined at level one, because mm -hmm. you need from the procurement and contracts people to get those contracts signed and you start getting into the alignment, formal alignments with the contract. That would be ideal to 
stay within the standardization boundaries. And, and the other thing is, there are certain parts of a, a process or a chemical plant or something that can't be standardized. The early front end, as you get different grades and types of oil coming in, there are certain things you have to do on the front end. But you need to look at that and say, okay, this piece I'm going to have to just play with differently each time. But after I get past this point, there are major pieces of the process and the product that I can standardize. So don't just go in and say, well, I can't do this because I'm doing something different with each, each product coming in. There are pieces of it and, and dissect it to the point where you can look at what is standardizable and, and what, what you need to stay as customizing. I think another challenge is convincing people because we saw in some of our programs that we looked at as case studies that they had to spend more money on that first project or they had to spend a little bit more time on that first project. And I think that might be something hard to sell with an industry. Okay, you're going to spend, it would have cost us X million, but it's going to cost us X plus N million just because we're going to have to go through this process and talk about and think about all the different scenarios and what's going to happen. And it's going to take us a little bit longer. But then it seems like the cost savings on this second, third, fourth, fifth projects offset that substantially and dramatically and so quickly, but it, that first sales mm -hmm. is kind of hard. On. You have to like really sell that ROI and, and you know, help them see where they're going to get it. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. The data that we collected, the successful ones, you can see it from project four, five, six, seven, you can see it, a substantial savings on costs. So mm -hmm. it, it just shows, it, it just proves that this could be very beneficial. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like it. So I mean, the tools that you guys developed, and I mean, and not just the decision making, but also those critical success factors, and it all kind of builds this this roadmap. And I think that's really useful. Is that available at this point to any like CII members? How do people yes, find the that? Yes, the tools tool? should be available. I think it should, by now it should be the same as the report because we mm -hmm. completed all the the tools has been frozen. And the uh, report, the formal report is already there and the knowledge based okay. is there. What we found, I'm just getting into the how the, we wrap up the presentation, is that we are providing the tool and the critical success factor just to get, they say, okay, we can, uh, this program is a, a good candidate to be executed via the standardization approach, but then you say how to do it because doing a standardized uh, project is not the same as uh, doing a customized project. You need to start thinking, and even in, in the initial, this uh, project execution plan is going to be standardization. We're going to have this engineering firm. This is going to be the capacity that we're going to design. This is going to be the alignment and this procurement fabrication modules. So that should be part of the execution plan early on. And if you don't do that with uh, a discipline and keep the, the same teams, I have that mentality uh, for a standardization, it's going to be diff uh, very hard to succeed. So this is really discipline that probably is one of the reasons why standardization is not being used more often in the UMM uh, sector. And one thing is, you know, you look at this volume of work that was produced and you go, my God, it's going to take me a few days to read it. It's going to take me another week or two to understand it. But the level one uh, exercise that you do on whether you should standardize or not, is very simple and can be done in a few minutes, literally. And so when you're talking to your upper management, you go through it internally and you say, okay, am I doing one unit or multiple units? Is it something that can be done or can't be? There's certain uh, questions you go through and at the end of that, it gives you a pretty good idea of whether or not you're gonna be able to standardize or not. 
And with that, you at least have some impetus to go in and say, this looks like a possibility. Let's look into it further. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Um, is there, I mean, are these tools applicable outside of the sector or is there any plan for other sectors to take this and adapt it and um, apply it? Yeah, I think it's, it's uh, I'm not sure it could be used by another sectors, maybe the uh, refinery well, downstream. Well, or, I, um, I, I think it is, it is, it is pretty much universal. I mean, yeah. yes, we were looking at pieces, but, but the basic concepts that we're looking at is we're looking at small to larger components that can somehow be made the same and then reproduced and then put into a complex facility. So whether you're building a building and we see Walmarts, we see Exxon stations, we see all these other things that have been standardized and they go across all sectors. Mm -hmm. And so we've looked at in this particular case on, on the upstream gas production and transmission and, and, and that sort of thing. But in general, if you get away from uh, a Lego is a Lego block. Yeah, and, exactly. And, and yeah. so if you yeah. heck, if you just say this Lego block is not a wellhead, it's something else, the, the blocks stay the yeah. same and you mix and match yeah, them the yeah. same. So if you can get at the 40,000 foot level, yes. Okay. Awesome. Um, what's next with the research? Is there, are there further steps from here? Yeah, is the phase three, what we presented today as a team, it was phase one and phase two, mm -hmm. and we committed to to uh, generate or to deliver the uh, the tool and the decision-making tool and also the critical success factor to kind of set the stage. But we are going to do the phase three, which is going to be deliver the work process. That will be, say, how we can help the users of the tool to go ahead and execute the project via standardization. And this is what the challenge for uh, the next uh, the phase three that we have committed. We got approved and we are really looking forward to keep working as a team. That's great. Uh, what's the time frame on that? It's going to be ready by next year. So yeah. we have a six, oh, wow. seven months to develop. Yeah. So it's really <laughs> soon, yeah. So we appreciate this opportunity because we are looking for team members. So people uh, that wants to be part of the team so it would be more than welcome to have uh, new members uh, joining our our research team. Wonderful. And how would how would people contact you or get in touch if they were interested in helping out? Uh, with in the names of the emails, it should be uh, there uh, nowadays. Innovation or just as uh, CIA members. I mean, we can contact uh, uh, Jean Choi or any of us. I mean, you can use in LinkedIn or we'd be more than welcome to to receive uh, new members. Wonderful. And, uh, share their experience. And, and the neat thing about it is it's not like you have a big learning curve to get up to speed. Mm -hmm. I mean, no. What you can produce and what you can help us with is almost immediate. I, I just want to emphasize that I think there are a lot of other research teams out there, but I think our team are the only team that are being funded again for the next phase. That means that CII really loved our product and then uh, our sector also is strongly supporting. So but if you're looking for more participants who contribute mm -hmm. to this next yes. research. Yeah, when we uh, started this uh, research in about two and a half years ago, I was always thinking and say, well, it's going to be sort of uh, short because we will develop the tool we say, what is more? And uh, uh, that was, we really want to reemphasize that we need uh, people that help us. 
And uh, as a separate personal note, it's been a pleasure to work with these guys. I mean, we have a really nice discussions, some not so nice discussions. But we <laughs> love each other. We love each other. We challenge each other. So we have a really, I really I do appreciate the, the, the input from every member of the team because we became as a family. So it was always, I was looking for the next face-to-face -face meeting so we can see the, the, the team. And we have a really blast with the working together. It's been really nice. And it is, it is interesting because uh, on a previous research project, we did, we spent the two and a half years and we all knew that implementation tools needed to be developed and there just wasn't enough time and there wasn't budget. So this is a rare opportunity to actually develop some tools that will take the research and give it to industry in general and say, this is, this is how you do it. This is standardization 101. This is where you go at. Awesome. Well, thank you all so much for taking time to talk to me today and, you know, congratulations on what you've achieved so far and good luck with the next phase. Yeah. Thank you very Appreciate much. It. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Built Revolution pod brought to you by Continuum Advisory Group and the Construction Industry Institute. Continue the conversation on Twitter at Built Revolution Pod or email us at hello at builtrevolutionpod.com. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the individuals being interviewed, and they do not necessarily reflect the views of the sponsoring organizations.